0: Well, good morning. Good to see everyone. Just, uh, just a reminder, if you're, you have small children, to uh, there is a creche available. You exit there and, and go around to my left uh, if, if you wish to make use of that. we we'll are continuing our series in First Chronicles, and we're going to look at three chapters today. Chapters 18, 19, and 20. I won't read through them first. Uh, it's an account of David's wars, David's battles, and how the Lord gave him victory. And so, in a, in a similar manner to what we did with the genealogies, those of you who were here last year, I think we, we did sort of nine chapters in one go, and I just picked out some highlights from the, the genealogies. So we're going to try and do the same thing this morning. Uh, just again, if it's your first time, just some context our tradition here is to uh, prayerfully choose a book of the Bible and, uh, we, we, that we, be, we believe, we think, will be helpful to God's people at this season in life uh, of the church. And then we start with chapter 1, verse 1, and we work uh, continually through it because we believe that that's the best way to understand the storyline of the Bible, to understand a book of the Bible, so that we're not taking verses out of context and just applying them incorrectly to our lives. And also it protects us who preach from just preaching our our own sort of pet hobby horses, things that we like to talk about, and we're never really challenged on our own sin. Uh, you can't really avoid uh, you know, being challenged as you are forced to preach through our whole whole books of the Bible. The Lord challenges and confronts us as well, and hopefully all of us, and then ministers grace to us and healing to us as well. And so we've been going through First Chronicles, and we're at chapter 18, chapter 17, a very important chapter that we looked at the previous two Sundays about the covenant that the Lord makes with David. How David wants to build a temple for, for God, for the Ark of the Covenant, And the Lord says to David, no, you won't build me a house, but I will build you a house, a dynasty. I will preserve your line. And ultimately, there will come a great king. And we live on this side of the coming of that great king. That great king is the Lord Jesus Christ, David's greatest son. And then the chronicler then goes straight into giving us a record of David's victories in battle through these three chapters. And I want us to briefly look at three points. Uh, All beginning with P, so you can remember them promise, provision, and perspective. Promise, provision, and perspective. And so the first one is in these battles, in these accounts, in these three chapters, David always wins. Okay, so there's no account of David losing or even of his generals that go out and fight on his behalf. They don't lose. It's, it's three chapters of great victories over the enemies of God. He defeats the Philistines. And remember, that's the sort of nemesis of David. David is famous for killing Goliath, a Philistine. Well, they continue to conquer the Philistines and defeat them and at the end of chapter 20, there is an account of other giants that are killed. Okay? Uh, when you read elsewhere in Scripture, we're told that Goliath had four brothers who were also giants. And they also end up, get, you know, they're taken out as well. Uh, just again, the idea of God giving him victory. He defeats the Moabites, the Zobahites, the Syrians, the Edomites, the Ammonites. Uh, there's also an account of some of the tribes not wanting to fight David... And making peace with him and giving gifts to him. Now, this is a fulfillment of God's promise to David. If you look at chapter 17, verse 10, one of the things God promised in this Davidic covenant, First Chronicles 17, verse 10, I will subdue all your enemies. The Lord made a promise to David David, I will subdue your enemies, I will give you victory. And as you read through 1 Chronicles, uh, if you look at verse eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 6, it says, Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. Jump down to verse 13. Then he put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And then verse 14 says, So David reigned over all Israel, and he administered justice and equity to all his people. And so the chronicler is showing us that God is fulfilling His promises straight away. God promised to subdue David's enemies. And that's exactly what He he does. And so application for you and me is this. we can trust God. We can trust His promises to us. Our God is, Scripture tells us, He is not a man that He should lie. We lie out of fear or to manipulate. God is not afraid of anyone. He does not need to manipulate one, anyone. He does not lie. He cannot lie. And so what He promises to His people, we need to build our lives upon that. God fulfills His promises. And this is what it means to be a Christian. Every day, uh, we need to be renewing our minds because uh, just as Satan did with Adam and Eve in the beginning, specifically with Eve, he caused Eve to question what God had said. Uh, Satan does the same, did the same thing with the Lord Jesus when Jesus was in the wilderness. He twisted the Scriptures. He tried to get the Lord Jesus Christ to doubt God's Word. And that's exactly what happens to us every day. We're tempted to doubt God's love for us. We're tempted to doubt that we can overcome this sin. We think, well, it's been so many years of this besetting sin. How can I ever get victory? I might as well give up. Uh, We're tempted maybe to think, well, my sins are too great. The Lord can't forgive me. And so we don't Hold on to the promises of God. But what it means, if you're a Christian, it means you believe what God has said. That's the first step. If you're not a Christian, you begin there. The scriptures tell us in Genesis 15 about Abraham. God gives a promise to Abraham, and then it says this in verse 6. Abraham believed God, and it was credited or accounted to him as righteousness. Righteousness. It doesn't say Abraham did a whole lot of things and then eventually the Lord says, okay, I'll save you. It was simple childlike faith. And so if you're not a Christian, the first thing is to believe what God says about you as a sinner and then to believe that He has offered salvation to you in Jesus Christ, full redemption, full forgiveness, complete atonement of all your sins that you've ever done and that you ever will do. And the moment you simply trust, like a child, believing their their parent, you're forgiven. You're reconciled to God. You are declared righteous. All your sins are forgiven. And then it's a continual day-to-day to believe those promises of God. But what we see here is, you can build your life upon God's promises. You can't build your life upon the promises of, of others or upon the promises of the world uh, and society because we fail one another. Uh, we are men and women. We do lie. We can't, we can't promise that you know tomorrow it won't rain. We can't do all of those things. We can't say, no, I know the Rand is going to strengthen. We can't make those kind of commitments. But you can trust God and His promises. And so that's the first... Uh, point from this passage, David. David sees the fulfilment of God's promises. Now, the second thing is here yeah, is that the Lord doesn't fulfil His promise to David with David just parking off. You notice that? Okay. It's not that the Lord says to David, "David, I will subdue, subdue all your enemies. You can just watch Netflix. Don't worry about it. Uh, I've got this." Uh, <laughs> You park off. He doesn't say that. David has to go out and fight, doesn't he? David still has to go out and uh, lead his men into battle. But God has promised to give them victory. So this is very important. God's promises are are not passive. It's not that we just sit back and and that's the end of it. Uh, Earlier on, and I would encourage you to come to the Bible Hour this morning. We're going through what we believe as a church. Uh, but this morning we looked at the promises in, in Romans chapter 6. Sin shall not have dominion over us. There is victory in Christ. But it's not a passive victory. It's not that you just you know, let go and let, let God. Have you ever heard that? That theology? That's, a, that's ungodly. You won't find that in Scripture. You find in Scripture what Proverbs says. Prepare the horse for battle, but victory belongs to the Lord. You do everything you are called to do. You fight. Make every effort, Peter says. You fight with all that is within you, with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, your body. And God will give you the victory. It's not passive. And David sees that and David obeys and there is victory. And God gives him victory over all his enemies. Now, if you're sitting here and maybe it depends on your background, you might be thinking my enemy is poverty or sickness Biblically in the New Testament, that's not your primary, those are not your primary enemies. Your primary enemy is your sin. That is what damns us, that is what destroys us, that is what destroys marriages, that is what destroys relationships, that's what destroys uh, society, everything. God will give you victory over sin. That you can fight that sin, that you can grow in victory over it, grow, that you become uh, less prone to anger. Less prone to lust. Stop lying. Stop being anxious, sinfully anxious as you fight, and God gives you the victory. And so that's the first point promise. The second P is provision. So go to first Chronicles eighteen, verse seven. Uh, as David defeats these enemies, he gets the booty, he gets the treasure. Okay? he gets the gold and the silver the spoils of war and David took the shields of gold that were carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem and from Tibbath and from Kun cities of Hadadezer David took a large amount of bronze with it Solomon made the bronze sea and the pillars and the vessels of bronze so what's going on here is remember David is told you're not going to build this temple The temple is going to be built by a descendant of David. It's going to be built by his son, Solomon. But David doesn't waste his life and say, Oh, well, I can't build the temple, therefore I'm just going to not do anything. No, he starts to prepare for the building of the temple. He starts to get the materials ready so that when Solomon ascends the throne, everything is ready. All the resources are there that Solomon can start. And so David is again committed to building the temple. You can go and listen to the previous uh, sermons from this series. But just briefly to say, in the New Testament, the temple is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not looking for a building in Jerusalem. Christ has come and he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. The meeting place with God. You want to know God, Jesus said, it's through him. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus Christ is the temple that we we all need. And if you're in Christ, you're actually now part of that temple. Peter says you're a living stone. So this imagery that we are now stones, part of this building. uh, And the Holy Spirit lives within us. 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 6 says we are the temple of God. And so now for us what it means is that we should be building the kingdom of God. Building into one another's lives. Encouraging one another. Praying for one another. Correcting one another when necessary. But David starts to build up this stockpile of provision. So God is giving him victory. And notice again that the chronicler's focus is on building the temple. And so here he gets from these victories, he gets a whole lot of bronze. And he builds this bronze sea. Maybe you're wondering what that is it's like a huge bronze swimming pool okay you can go and google this was massive Uh, it had uh, 12 statues of oxen underneath uh, three on each side north south east west it was a huge swimming pool for the priests to it was full of water the priests would take water from it to clean themselves to wash their hands and feet a symbol of purification as they served but that's what he's doing. And uh, there were these pillars that were built. Jump down to verse nine. Uh, when uh, Tau, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he sent his son Hadarim to King David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had often been at war with Tao. And he sent all sorts of articles of gold, of silver, and of bronze. He doesn't want to go to battle, so he gives uh, David gold, silver, and bronze. These also King David dedicated to the Lord, together with the silver and gold that he had carried off from all the nations. And So David is not here trying to build his own personal wealth. He, he takes all the treasure that he receives, the gold and the silver and the bronze, and he dedicates it to the Lord, to building the, the temple. And so it is the same with us. It's not about building our kingdom or our names, but the kingdom of God. And God will provide all that is necessary. It's his church, it's his kingdom. He will build it and the gates of hell will not prevail. And so he will give, a, give us what we need on every level Uh, this is his body he has given gifts to the church and so let me again encourage you God has given you provision Uh, he's given you abilities gifts administration teaching caring faith hospitality whatever it is financial resources uh, counseling abilities all of these things he's given to, to everyone in this church, if you're a Christian, you have gifts. No one can sit here and say, well, the Lord didn't give me anything. That's a lie. He, gave, he has given you gifts, so get plugged in and, and use them. Okay? You know that we find fulfillment when we are doing what we are created to do. Okay? That's, that's when we, we do find joy. And God created you to serve, created you to, to glorify Him and to love others. And so use the provision that God has given you. And then the third and final point, perspective. Perspective. So promise. God is, you can trust God. You can trust His promises. Get to know His promises. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Uh, memorize them. Meditate on them. How will a young man keep his heart pure, keep himself from sin? And this is true for everyone. By hiding God's word in his heart. By knowing who you are in Christ. And then God's provision that he has given us what we need. And then lastly, perspective. So look at, look at um, uh, verse 1 of chapter 20. It says there, In the spring of the year, the time uh, when kings go out to battle, Joab led out the army and ravaged the country of the Ammonites and came and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem, and Joab struck down Rabbah and overthrew it. Now, if you, if you know your, your Bible quite well, and you know some of the phrases, maybe that jumped out to you the time when kings go out to battle. and Then we read that David stays in Jerusalem. And then it carries on with the great victories. It doesn't tell us anything else. But 2 Samuel 11, which gives us a parallel account of this history, I want to read it to you from verse 1, says, notice the similarities. In the spring of the year, in the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Look at verse 2, 2 Samuel 11, verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And it goes on, and you know the story, I'm sure. This the count of Bathsheba. David takes her and commits adultery. And she falls pregnant. And to try and cover it up, he it becomes so deceitful. This, the man who wrote the, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, is trying to get a man drunk. And then murders this honorable man to protect himself. It is almost unthinkable that the same man could do these, same, these things. Write some of the greatest psalms. Some of the greatest poems in history and yet commit such heinous sins. And so we know that account. But when the chronicler records what happened, he leaves it out. He leaves it out. He's not, he's not uh, just pretending here. This is the gospel at work here. He's not just pretending. Everyone knew what David had done. Israel knew what he had done. It wasn't that he was, he was being deceitful. But it, it shows us that in Christ, David has been forgiven. It's no need to have this account recounted. The chronicler is looking from a different perspective. And you find this over and over again in the Scriptures. Hebrews chapter 11. You can jump there quickly if you have time. Hebrews chapter 11 is a famous passage on the men and women of faith. Some have called it the Hall of Faith. It's a list of those who, who are mighty in faith. And you can go and read it. And what is helpful, I, I, I find, is to also remember what the Old Testament says about these people. <laughs> because I, you sometimes think, wait a minute, am I reading the same Bible? Look at verse 32. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. The writer of Hebrews. We don't know who it was. Uh, the Holy Spirit doesn't tell us. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. And so he says, he he, he sort of waxes eloquent here as he thinks of these these giants of the faith. And then I'm thinking, Samson? Really? (laughs) Do you know the story? How he just uh, took God for granted, how he played games. He was under the, a vow, a vow of the Nazarites, and he broke every single command. He touched a dead animal. He was not to touch anything dead. He was not to drink alcohol. He drank alcohol. Of course, he was not to commit sexual sin. Committed sexual sin. He was not to marry a pagan. He marries a pagan. He does everything wrong, and yet the Scripture says, what a man of faith. Gideon the end of his life is a nightmare. They want to just make him king. Gideon, we want to make you king. He says, no, 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 no. No, that would not be right. The Lord is our king. You know what he names his son? Abimelech. We know what it means? My father, the king. Okay. <laughs> and he takes a whole lot of wives. He starts living like a king. He just says, no, don't call me king. Hypocrite, he'd say. And yet here, yeah, what a man of faith. David, we know what he did. What a man of faith! But you see, the same could be said of every Christian here. In Christ, you and I are righteous. In Christ, our sins are forgiven and overlooked. That we're not held to account for them. If we, if 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 God did do that, we'd be damned. That's what we deserve. In Christ we are seen as forgiven. And this is critical in the day and age in which we live. There is a big concern with justice. And, and, and it's good to be concerned about justice. But there's no mercy in our, in our culture at present. Isn't there? right? You know that someone will, will, will... I see it with sportsmen and women. You know, they'll get a, they'll get a contract. They've worked their whole lives for this. And then someone will find a tweet from 15 years ago. They cancel the contract. And you, this happens all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Let me just say as a warning, young people, careful what you put on social media because it can come back and bite you. But there's no mercy. There's no forgiveness. That person was an idiot when they were younger. We were all idiots when we were teenagers. Sorry, teenagers. <laughs> it's a fact, though, part of your brain. Your brain hasn't fully developed, okay? Some of of us are still battling over that. But but you see, you know what I'm talking about. There's no forgiveness, there's no grace. It's just pointing out people's wrongs and what they did in the past. and, And there's no sense of forgiveness. People must repent, I agree. People must repent. But if they repent, there is grace. We must offer grace and forgiveness. And the gospel is radically different. Because in Christ, there is a new perspective on your life and mine. And if you're sitting there thinking, no, what I've done is too bad, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, it's not worse than the people in the Bible. Have you gone around murdering Christians? Even if you've done that, don't put your hand up. <laughs> there is forgiveness. Paul was, that's what Paul did. And God forgave him. Have you done the things that David did? God forgave him. And the chronicler just leaves it out, as though it never happened. And that's what the Gospel means. Justified, just as if I'd never sinned. And that is why it is good news. And so let me, if you don't know Christ, you're living in your sin, you're living with that guilt and shame, come to Him. There is a new perspective. Sins are forgiven. For those of us His children, every day remember that. And how you are seen is righteous in Christ. You are never less loved or more loved. He loves you perfectly. And so live out of that. Amen. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for the gospel. Um, It's so beautiful. Because of Christ... You see us as holy and beautiful and perfect. You see us as perfect as your own Son. We do pray that you would help us to believe that and to live out of that. If there are any here who have never bent the knee, Lord, give them grace to repent and believe. May they trust your promises. And for for your children, Lord, every day help us to believe this truth and to rejoice in it and to live out of it. For your glory and for our joy, we ask these things. Amen.